1: Hello everybody and welcome to episode 178 of the Box Podcast. I'm your host Joey Kosman. I'm joined as always by the infamous Mr. Ayaz Sumra. Ayaz, how you doing?
2: I'm good, Joey. Yourself?
1: Very good, my friend. Very good. Let's start with the review part of the show. We're going to start here in Bookham at the Bookham Boxing Arena in Accra, Ghana. Um, well, one fight really to mention. Josh Clotty. Um, he returned to the ring. I'm not even sure how old he is now, but he returned to the ring after three and a bit years out of it. Uh, He returned with a TKO in the sixth round of a scheduled 10 against a guy who... um I've seen before. He's, he's, his first and, and last name are both exactly the same. It's like Mfeme Mfeme. He's now got a record, by the way, of 14 wins, 6 losses, and 2 draws. But for Josh Clotty, it's the big 4-0. He's got 40 wins, and he's, of course, got the 5 losses. Perhaps a ring return um, in some bigger fights for him. Not quite sure anyone wants to see that, but it is what it is. Let's now move out to the Royal Albert Hall in Kensington, London, United Kingdom. Uh, over here, let's mention Harvey picked up a win, he's now 5-0 a TKO in the first round against Patrick Bartos, a man he'd previously shared the ring with before Also, we got to see Hamza Shiraz move to 7-0, a knockout in the very first round against Rod Douglas Jr., 2-2 now. Um, Quite impressive, really, from Shiraz. I mean, the guy that he fought, obviously, I didn't know much about him at all, 2-1 going in. Um, He looked like a tough guy, but he just couldn't stand up to Shiraz's shots, and Shiraz caught him and put him down, I think, in the first 14 seconds of that first round, and he just wasn't able to recover, really. A good shot that initially got the man in danger from Shiraz, and... um, he got dropped. He got back up and got dropped again. And uh, yeah, that was about it. The referee jumped in. Um, Lucian Reed got a draw. It was a weird one. Basically, he took on a guy called Indy Sanga. Um, nine and one was Sanger and Lucian Reed eight. I know it ended up being a draw because of a technical decision it was well it was a technical draw um, you know there was a cut i believe it was reed who got cut so the uh, the contest had to go four rounds for it to go to the cards but because it had only gone three rounds unfortunately they could not let the bout continue it's a it's a technical draw so a bit of a blip there for lucian reed daniel dubois took on Razvan kajanu um, it was for the vacant wbo european heavyweight title kajanu 16 and 5 like i say the real claim to fame came from a w- WBO world title challenge to Joseph Parker in which he went the distance he didn't get stopped but he had been stopped by Luis Ortiz in two rounds. Luis Ortiz a real good fighter Ayaz, but Daniel Dubois was able to do the exact same thing. He got him out of there in that second round and he is now successfully 10-0 and Daniel Dubois and obviously he's going to get a, a top 15 ranking now. Even perhaps a top 10 ranking with a WBO after picking up the WBO European heavyweight strap. Um, what was your thoughts on Daniel Dubois
2: has. I mean, it was it was it was another Dubois performance. I mean, once again, obviously he's been, bo- like I said, he boxed really well. Good, good knockout. He's still developing, so I think he's he's gonna be he's gonna be one to. He's I think in the future he'll be a world champion.
1: Yeah, I mean that win. Like I say, that he got there over Kajanu, He's matched that of Luis Ortiz, a real recognised world level fighter. Um, not not so much in his last performance, by the way. Ortiz uh, moving up the bill once again. Johnny Garton, twenty three and one with one draw. His first defence of his British welterweight title. He lost it here to Chris Jenkins, who's now twenty one and three with two draws. Um, yeah you know good fight chris jenkins really came and 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 boxed beautifully to be honest um real real impressive stuff from him um, i wasn't quite sure he'd be able to perform like that obviously garton you know what you get with him every single time he fights it's exciting there's usually blood there's usually guts and um we saw we saw that so a typical garton performance but he was on the receiving end, really, because um, usually he's the one dishing it out. But it was what it was, a, a loss there for Garton and Jenkins. Very, very, I'm very, very pleased for him. Um, Liam Williams, 19-2, and now 20-2. and He's got the one draw. He knocked out Joe Mullender in the second round. Joe Mullender, now 11-3. and It was for the British middleweight title that belonged to Williams and is still with him. Um, Impressive from Williams, really, as I mean, he showed that he is a league above the likes of Joe mullander um, I, I thought he would probably go into, well, I don't want to say into the later rounds, but I think... I was quite surprised that it was over within two rounds because I felt like Mullinder, in his two losses, he'd never been stopped. I don't think Williams is the biggest banger, um, especially at middleweight, but to be honest, it was impressive. Like I say, he was a a league above, or or maybe even more than one league above, Joe Mullinder. I expected it to be quite an exciting fight while it lasted, but I was really surprised to see it over within just two rounds. He becomes the first man to stop Joe Mullinder. Um, A great win there for Liam Williams. I'm not really going to jump on the wave of criticising the referee, you know. Um, I think if he called it off after that knockdown, Joe Mullender did get up, he was game, he was talking. You know, I think think criticising him for not stopping it is something you can really only do after the final knockout where he completely blitzed him and took him out with that first right hand that he threw. So, um... Yeah, I think some aftertimers are getting on to the referee. I wouldn't really blame him too much even though it's very easy to do so. And finally, let's talk about Anthony Yard now 18 and 0. Once again he grabs another knockout. This one was in the 5th round over. Travis Reeves the American 17 and 3 with two draws now 17 and 4 with two draws for the uh, for the WBO intercontinental light heavyweight title. Um, this guy came to give it a go, to be honest. He landed a couple of nice shots here and there, but once again, Yard was just too good for his man. Um, you know, it was an interesting fight, really, because I felt that Travis Reeves showed quite a good chin at times. He was getting hit with... Big eye-catching uppercuts. But he stood there and he took the shots um, for as long as he could, really. I think his chin held up well through the first kind of four rounds. But in that fifth round, like I say, Yard was able to get the TKO. I felt like he was in control at all times, really. But, yeah, decent performance, really, there from Reeves. Um, Some people picking holes in Anthony Yard saying he's not quite ready for that Kovalev fight. Um, It's a difficult one, I as, isn't it? I mean, there's so many... You know, hard-punching fighters at light heavyweight. So many guys that you wouldn't want to fight because they're knockout artists. It's a dangerous division, and um, it's hard to say because people are saying, well, you know, get Kovalev, get Kovalev. He's at the he's at the later part of his career. It's the right time to get him. Steve Bunce was one of the guys saying that. But the thing is, Kovalev just pretty much almost schooled, if you like, Alida Alvarez. Um, he come back from his defeat to him to go and do that, so he 's certainly not finished if you like he 's actually calling for unification so Perhaps he should just bide his time a little bit, Anthony Yard, get a couple more fights, I think step up just steadily past that Reeves level. Perhaps a real genuine European level type guy and then I'd say go for Kovalev or whoever holds the WBO belt at that period of time. I think it's a bit too early for me and that's my honest opinion. Yard's a friend of mine so I'm saying that wholeheartedly um, that's really it for that one though let's move out now to the Metro Dome in Barnsley, Yorkshire United Kingdom we have over here just one fight to mention actually on a Steffi ball card Terry Harper the young lady I think she's now 22 years of age maybe 23 she fought for the vacant WBC international lightweight title uh, Nina Bradley 7-0 and in the other corner he ended up being a TKO in the 10th and final round. That, of course, being 10 minute rounds. Bradley was down in the first round and again in the second round. But Terry Harper was able to TKO her in the final round, that 10th round. So a brilliant win there for Terry Harper. Um, you know, I really like her. I think she's a good fighter with a bright, bright future. Moving out now to Belgium. Speaking of women's boxing, this one was at the Court Ridge in West Vlaanderen. Um... Probably not how it's said. But Delphine Persoon picked up win number 43. This is a lady that needs, simply needs to fight Katie Taylor. Uh, She knocked out her opponent, Melissa St. Ville, who... Uh, is now 11-4 with four draws. I think St. Ville never been stopped, but she was stopped here in the seventh round by TKO, so a good win there for Pursun, the WBC lightweight champion. Katie Taylor needs that fight to make the unification happen. Uh, Brentwood Centre is the next venue we're going to visit in Essex, United Kingdom. Michael McKinson moved to 16-0, a unanimous decision over 10 rounds against Ryan Kelly, 13-2 now. That was for McKinson's WBC international silver welterweight title. Um, This one, by the way, this whole card was actually streamed on IFL TV on YouTube. Mikey Saki picked up win number eight. He's got those two losses. We're we're big fans of him on the show. Come on, Mikey, as we say. A knockout in the first round against Idris Hill, who's now eight and two with two draws. Sorry, eight eight and three with with, with two draws. Uh, That one was for Saki's southern area. uh, Super lightweight title. Brilliant performances from Saki lately. Over that over that southern area title, uh, Isaac Lowe, friend of the show, he was on the bill. He jumped in at, at last minute, kind of thing. I don't think he was supposed to fight on the bill till last minute. Uh, it was a win for him, 17 wins now. He's got the three draws. It was a points win over six rounds against Brian Moreno. Definitely seen that name before 10 and 6 now with one draw. Who fought Moreno? I know that he definitely fought somebody uh, recently who we do know. Uh, Harley Ben moved to six and 0, a points, win over four rounds against Jibald Omier, who's now four and thirty-four with one draw. Uh, Steven Orman picked up a win, number 27, he's got 5 losses, a points win over 4 against Oscar Amador, who's now 10 and 14 Lucas Berlingao moved to 12 and 0, a points win over 4 rounds against Jose Hernandez who's now 4 and 30 with 1 draw, not many knockouts on this card by the way in Essex, most of the fights went the distance, uh, most of them were 6 rounders and 4 rounders, maybe 1 8 rounder, one ten rounder um, so quite a packed night of, of action there, moving out Now to the Town Hall in Walsall, West Midlands, United Kingdom. Tommy Langford, friend of the show, picked up win number 21. He's got three losses. It was a points win over six rounds against Baptiste Castanaro, who now has a record of 8-17. and Uh, moving out now to the Dignity Health Sports Park in Carson, California, USA. This one was uh, was a PBC card, obviously. Let's start with the undercard. Jesus quejar he picked up win number 29. He's got three losses, a knockout in the second round against Carlos Padilla, the overmatched fighter. Uh, 16 and 10 now with one draw. Also on the bill, we got to see Damian Vasquez, a young prospect. He tried to step it up and get a win over Juan Carlos Payano. It wasn't to be. Payano ended up getting the win not so surprising there really because it was a big step up for Vasquez. That was an eight-round unanimous decision there for Payano. Effia Jagba moved to nine and oh. He took on Amir Mansour, the forty-seven-year-old heavyweight who I believe is only about six foot one. Anyway, it was a knockout. Like I say. Um after two rounds, it was actually a retirement. Uh, the, the corner stopped the bout after that second round. He didn't come out for round three. He was down twice in the first round also. Um, he was just taking a complete beating. Amir Mansour now 23-4 and four with one draw. Effie Jagba, like I say, 9-0. Oh. Robert the Ghost Guerrero picked up win number 35. He's got six losses and a draw. He made his opponent retire on his store after five rounds. A retirement there from Hevinson Herrera. Now 24-17 and 17 with one draw. Very much... Overmatch, like I say, um, Herrera was actually cut with uh, with a headbutt in round two on his on his right eye. He had a he had a point deducted in the fifth round for a low blow, and he was dropped in the fifth round. And like I say, he quit in his corner after the fifth round. It was a terrible fifth round to be dropped and have a point took off in that round. So yeah, a win there, like I say, for Guerrero. Also on the bill, at the top of the bill, Sean Porter, twenty nine and two with one draw, took on Yuldenis Ugas, twenty three and three. Um, It was for the WBC World world Welterweight title, of course, Porter's belt. It ended up being a split decision in favor of Sean Porter, the champion. He remains the champion. Um, Porter was actually cut on his right eye from a punch in round 10. Now, the thing about this fight is it was very, very controversial, I've got to say. Sean Porter... Um, seemed quite happy when he got the, the, the you know the decision when it, when it got read out the split decision. one judge had it very close, and then the other two judges had it wide to the other guy to opposite guys. It was quite weird and when I went on Twitter, I could see that literally every boxer I follow. Anyone that was tweeting about the result, they were all saying that they felt UGAS did enough to win. So, I felt like gas was quite hard done by the only person, I think, that went with Sean Porter saying that he deserved it. I think it was Clarissa Shields. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the fight itself, from what I saw of it... Um The size difference between the pair was unbelievable. I mean, Yugas was so much bigger than Porter in there. And for me, Porter once again seemed to do what he did in the Danny Garcia fight where he tries to sit back and box. But with Garcia being a lot smaller than Yugas, it didn't really look as bad. But for me, it looked quite obvious that it was the wrong tactics. Um, Yugas was actually the bigger man, obviously. And he was coming forward. He was pressing the action. And for me, it was clear bad tactics in the first few rounds from Porter. Again, for me, he should just do what he does. Best and swarm his opponent and come forward and try and you know have a tear up if you like and I wasn't actually scoring it but I did feel like Ugas boxed really well and I did pick Porter to win on points by the way that was my prediction a lot of uh, people thought that Porter would win by knockout and yeah I think that's what you went with Ayers and the listener so I gained the point uh, on on the prediction league but yeah not too surprising really to see Porter get it on points um, I feel like Ugas had to really win clearly for it to be you know, for it to go in his favour. I don't agree with either of those big wide score cards. That seemed very fishy, but the, the one that was very close just had it to Porter and that one was the only one where weirdly he was right about it being a close fight, but I felt he probably should have given it to Ugas. But it was what it was. Um not really surprising, but UGAS again he announces himself as a big player there at one four seven. A good fighter. He could he could give Well, I tell you what, I'd stay well away from him if I was Keith Furman at the minute. Keith Furman on his last performance. Ooh, that'd be a tough fight for him. Um... Just talking of the predictions, actually, let's talk about them. Uh, Just to confirm, you went with Porter by knockout, I as, so did the listeners, so like I say, I went with points, I gained the point there. Um, The Frank Warren bill, we had three predictions. I went with Yard, Dubois and Williams all to win by knockout, so did you, I as, and so did the listeners, so we all gained three points there. Um, and talking about the other ones now, let's let's go over to the Turning Stone Resort and Casino in Verona, New York, USA. Let's start with Sergei Kuzmin. He moved to fifteen and zero, but it wasn't very easy to do so. It was for the WBA Intercontinental Heavyweight Title. It ended up being a majority decision over ten rounds in favor of Kuzmin. He took on Joey DeWaco, who's now nineteen and seven with four draws. Very very close fight. Like I say, one judge giving it two uh two or two judges giving it to kuzmin and one judge giving it a draw so a very close fight even the judges that gave it to kuzmin had it real real close a fight that wasn't close though callum johnson now 18 wins and one loss uh he tko'd in three rounds shawny munahan who's now 29 and three brilliant performance from callum johnson he was way too good for munahan i mean he Simply smashed through him. And Munahan was actually saved by the bell in the second round after being dropped. And he was very lucky to make it into the third. And he was really busted up pretty much within the first round. So, um, yeah, a brilliant, brilliant win there for Callum Johnson to get the TKO in the third round. The referee jumped in. Shawnee Munahan didn't really have anything to complain about. Also on the bill, Maurice Hooker, 25-0 and with three draws Uh, He took on Mikel Lespierre, who's now 21-1 with one draw. It was for the WBO World Super Lightweight title. First real thing to say, there was levels. I mean, Lespierre, you know, he was trying to put it on hooker at times. He was coming forward, trying to back hooker up. But he was being hit when he was coming in, and he wasn't really getting anything off himself. Uh, From the fourth round, I think it was uh, Sean Porter and Ugas, that fight started, so it was clashing, and I was pretty much flicking between the two fights. But, yeah, I didn't feel like Hooker's performance was too good. I mean, when he had his man hurt, he wouldn't really cut off the ring and apply the pressure. It was like he wanted to go the distance. I felt like he should have probably had his man out of there. And I was also thinking, imagine if this guy, Les Pierre, was in there with Regis Progray or, or Josh Taylor, a man that we're going to be speaking to in the show a little later on. If, he, if this guy, Les Pierre, was in with those guys, he's getting stopped. He's probably getting stopped within, within four, five, six rounds. Um, so, yeah, I wasn't really impressed with Hooker despite him having Les Pierre down twice during the fight. It was a very lopsided points win over 12 for him. He's still undefeated though. He's still the WBO world champion and the main event, Dimitri Bivel 15-0. He took on New York hard man Joe Smith Jr 24-3 now and Bivel is 16-0. It was for the WBA world light heavyweight title. A unanimous decision over 12 rounds. Once again, I it was a fight where I predicted that. I actually said I felt like Bivol could get carried to points by Joe Smith Jr., and it is what happened, so I was really, really happy with that. Um, I actually got six points out of six, and I don't think the listeners or yourself will be too pleased about that, because it means I'm really very close now to reaching that goal of 100 correct predictions. Um, I, as you went with Bivol by knockout and Johnson on points... Um, neither of those happened, so no points there. Uh, the listeners went with Bivol by knockout. That didn't happen, but they did correctly predict a Johnson knockout. But like I say, I went with Johnson by knockout and Bivol on points. So, all in all, last week I gained six points over the weekend just gone. You gained three IRs and the listeners gained four. So I think that means that you guys are, are tying on points. But I'm pretty much flying away now in the lead. Um, we will total them up at the very end of the show. Um, but yeah, back to that fight there, Bivol and Joe Smith Jr. I mean, Bivol was just a league above once again. He had that world class cut that uh, that that Joe Smith just didn't have, and he had too much class. Um, although Bivol doesn't really seem to have the power that perhaps Kovalev and Baturbiev possess. I feel like he's arguably the most technically sound of the three. Um, I like the way how he circles out of danger. And by doing that, he basically spins you around and has you backed up near the ropes. And, you know, he's a great combination puncher. And once again, um, you know, he, he he put on a good performance. It was very dominant. Um, he, he He did everything right. He didn't really put a foot wrong. He got caught with a shot after the bell that seemed to wobble him. Um, he did really well by disguising it by holding onto the ropes by the way and at the end of the fight in that 12th and final round Bivol finished really really well really really strong and he had Smith pinned on the ropes and he was punishing him and Joe Smith kind of got saved by the bell it would seem the referee could have jumped in had it gone a further 5 or 6 seconds for me but a dominant win there for Bivol and that is about it that's it for the review part of the show just before we wrap up part 1 the last thing to do is to welcome our very first guest Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the former IBF World Title challenger. It is, of course, Mr. Callum Johnson. Callum, welcome back on the show, my man. How you doing? Very good, my friend. Very good. So, so like I say, we last spoke uh, 11 months back. It was April of last year, just after that Buglioni win. Since then, things have just gone mad, really. I mean, I want to talk firstly, if you don't mind, about that Baturbiev fight. Um, a loss, but perhaps in some ways a moral victory. You were able to drop him heavy in that second round. You ended up getting stopped, but it was a very exciting fight while it lasted, Callum.
0: Yeah, it was. Um, as you say, I think I'd come out of that fight with a lot of credit. Um, I gained massive amounts of experience. And, you know, ideally, maybe I shouldn't have took that fight so soon. But at the end of the day, it was an opportunity that came to me. And, you know, it was an opportunity that I, I took with both fans. And I, I went and I did my best on the night. And, you know, you have to remember, I sort of. I'd only had 90 seconds of boxing action in two years when I stepped into the ring with Better BF. So, you know, it was a big ask. And, um, you know, I fell short on the night. But, you know, I gained massive amounts of experience. And I I do believe, you know, if I ever got the chance again, you know, especially with another one or two fights behind me again, um, you know, I think the result could be different.
1: You talked there about the experience that you gained. Also, I believe your stocks really went shooting up after that fight. It just goes to show what can happen if you make a gallop to world level, but you give it your all and so to speak, go out on your shield. You really did earn the respect of the boxing fans uh, worldwide that night. Um, and then, and then, obviously, just the other night, you returned to the ring in New York against Shawnee Monahan. Uh We do fight predictions for all the best fights each week on this podcast, and myself and the listeners both predicted you to win by stoppage, but perhaps not as early as you did. You went through him like a hot knife through butter, or a laxative, as Derek Chisora would put it. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Through him like a laxative, I like that one. Yeah, but, as, you know, I... I um... I knew Sean is a tough fighter, and obviously he's only been beat by two world level operators. Um, I and mean, obviously in his last fight, he took Sullivan Brera ten rounds, and, it, and he gave him he gave him a good good fight. And I was expecting a tough challenge, but I knew that I could win this fight however I wanted to be honest. And um, you know I chose to I chose to box a little bit, I chose to mix it up a little bit, and then I knew the power once the power shot started landing, you know he he, w- he wouldn't be able to sustain them and. And that like I said before, you know, I've got, I really have got devastating power. And, you know, I've also got very good skills to go with it as well. And I showed, I showed that the other night as well, a little bit.
1: And did you happen to see the tweet? I believe it was a tweet where Shawnee Monaghan tweeted out basically saying that he believes you're probably the hardest puncher he's ever been in with. And that's, you know, that's sparring and pro fights. I mean, that's a real compliment seeing, uh, you know, the guys he has been in yeah.
0: with. Yeah, yeah, it's a massive compliment because. Um, you know he's been in with some top fighters, and, and like I say, I think I believe he's sparred pretty much everybody over the years. So, you know, to to get a compliment paid to me like that from somebody like that, you know, it's very nice. And um, but again, without sounding big headed, um, I sort of know I half know that because I really do punch very hard. And I, I mean, that one well, I, I never say I'm the best fighter in the world. I never say I'm the most skillful. I never say I'm this. I never say I'm that. But what I do say is. I don't believe there's anybody out there that punches harder than I do.
1: And talking of New York, the fight happened there. You're still out there. What's going on at the moment? What's kept you out there, Cal?
0: I'm out here with my missus and my son. We're just oh, uh, we're exploring New York City. You know, I've got my I've got my little lad out here. So he had his first experience of a big boxing show out here, and he's uh, he's enjoying it. He's bouncing off the walls with excitement. You know, so we're just enjoying a few few family days in New York now. We're about to go for breakfast.
1: Oh, excellent stuff. What a fight to bring him to. Um, obviously, this win has, has has sparked a lot of interest now from boxing fans worldwide about your next fight. I know it's still kind of a little bit too early to be thinking about a next fight, but lots of people are saying perhaps Joe Smith Jr., uh, that would surely be a great fight.
0: Yeah, that, that's that's an interesting fight. Um, again, you know, I think there would only be one outcome, but again, I'd have to be on top form to do it. He's a great fighter. He's tough, as you saw. He's he just done 12 rounds with bubble, so you know, he's uh he's no easy fight for anybody. Um but again, you know, I don't know what's going to happen next. I'd like to jump in for another World Tower shot if the opportunity came, but obviously I would imagine I've probably got to get another one, another another good one in first. But there's also um if the opportunity comes for me to move down to one six eight because I know I can make one six eight. I've um I've got a new nutritionist on board and we've done all the tests and the tests show that I could make one six eight um, comfortably. Um, and, and helpfully as well. So you know, there's options there at 168 as well if the right fight comes along.
1: Wow, that, that really would would be interesting. Um, should that not happen though, and you and you were to stay at 175, uh, another man that constantly throws his name in the hat, as you mentioned a little bit earlier, Sullivan Barrera. Um, I really, really, really like that fight. Is that a fight that would interest you at all, Cal?
0: Yeah, of course. Again, definitely. Um, you know, I think. Sullivan Brewer would, would be a great fight to take at this stage, you know, maybe in like a, a final eliminator or something like that, and again, you know, watching the Sullivan Brewer fights you know, that he's had recently, I believe that's another fight that I win um, quite convincingly, but you know, you know, whatever fight makes sense at the right time, I don't know whether, I think the Joe Smith fight might be a bigger, more interesting fight and for, for, for more money, because at the end of the day as well, it's got to make sense financially for me, um, so, but I'll, I'll leave that down to Joe and Eddie to sort out. I don't really think too much about who I want to fight because at the end of the day, I don't really have a, a preference. I don't call anybody out. I, I don't have a preference to fight anyone, to be honest. Whoever they put in front of me, I'll uh, I'll go in there and all I can promise is when I'm inside them ropes, I'll be doing my best to take the head off
1: concentrating on the gym now. Anthony Krola, your gym mate, he gets his fight with Lomachenko. A lot of people not really giving him a chance. Where do you stand on this one, Cal? It's obviously a big ask.
0: No, I mean, listen, listen, it's a massive ask. I mean, I'm not going to stand here and say, oh, it's a massive ask. I mean, it's a, it's a fight that, like, I think he'll win easily, blah, blah, blah. But it's a massive ask. He's, Anthony's not stupid. But at the end of the day, he's, he's, got, he's earned his right. He's a mandatory, He's not He's and he's going to go out there to fight the best of his, you know, get a massive, massive payday to um, secure him and his family's future. I mean, you can't do nothing but respect the guy and take you out after him and wish him all the best. I mean, he's one of the nicest kids I've ever met. And like you say, I, I think a lot of him. And I just I hope to God he goes out and shocks the world.
1: Yeah, I mean, he is the true miracle, man, to be honest with you. So you can't really... Uh... Can't really write him off, to be honest. He's uh, he's come back from a lot, a lot of a lot of bad things. Um, another thing I want to ask about the gym, um, Callum is obviously Callum Smith being a world champion at the weight below. He's big for the weight. I'm guessing you guys must have done tons of rounds together. Um, does Joe like putting you guys in together to literally punch lumps out of each other, or does he try and keep you both apart? <laughs> no, we, we
0: we do quite a lot of spying together. But like you say, at the end of the day, we're gym, we're gym mates. We're good friends away from the gym as well, and we're. We're not in there to try and take lumps out of each other. We're in there to learn and practice things and work on work on styles. Because you know we um, in the end it, We're in there to train and, and learn from each other, and that's what we do. And when we spar, we uh, like you say Joe might set me something to do. He might set um, Callum Smith something to do, and it's the same with Jose as well. We you know I've done a lot of rounds with Jose over the years, and. Again, it's like I say, it's learning and practicing and, and sparring at the end of the day. But don't get me wrong, we do have good spars and we do we do let a few go now and again. I mean, it's it's a contact sport as well, so we have to make it as realistic as possible. Um, but like I say, sparring, sparring is just sparring. It's about learning and getting yourself ready for the real fight.
1: And my final question to you, Callum. Um, a mega, mega fight that's coming up this weekend. Mikey Garcia versus Errol Spence. Um, are you going to be back in time to watch that one? Are you going to be watching it out there? Uh, what's your thoughts on it? I'll
0: be I'll be back. I'll be back. Um, you know what? I've not really thought too much about it. You know, because obviously I've been in camp myself. I don't really think about too much about other fighters and everything else. just concentrate on myself. But thinking about it now, um, obviously Spence is obviously the favorite with his size advantage and everything else. Um but, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if Mikey Garcia pulls it off because he's some hell of a fighter. And I think I'll be a uh, Team Mikey Garcia fan on the night just, just because he's the underdog. And I, I, I like to see the underdog come through a lot of the times.
1: Yeah, I agree. I'm Team Mikey as well. And uh, fingers crossed he gets the job done. But it is a hard task. But listen, Callum, it, it truly has been a pleasure catching up with you, my friend. Congrats once again on your win. You really did steal the show on Saturday night. I look forward to speaking with you again in the near future.
0: Thank you very much. Appreciate your time.
1: Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. This part, of course, the news part of the show. I as take it away. The first news that Anthony Gogo has retired from boxing. Yeah, very, very sad. Um Obviously, you know, that fight he had against the guy Craig Cunningham, it was when he lost the fight, and we all thought he'd probably win that fight. But Cunningham was a good fighter, and he boxed to a brilliant game plan that night, and he really, really impressed me, Craig Cunningham. I think he's now retired, unfortunately. But, um, yeah, I mean, that was a brilliant performance from Cunningham. Take nothing away from him. But, obviously, Anthony Ogogo couldn't continue in that fight due to the eye injury. And since then, he's had this ongoing battle with his eyes. He's had various operations. He's had scalpels and pins stuck in his eyes all over the world. He's travelled. And, as he said before... He spent more money trying to get his eyes fixed than he's earned in his whole boxing career, which is really sad. And he did all of the things he could possibly do to try and get his eyes right to return to a ring. And it just wasn't to be. He couldn't do it, so he's finally had to announce his his retirement from boxing. It's very, very sad because he's a nice guy and watching all the journeys that he's gone through, I mean he likes to put these vlogs out and you watch the vlogs and he's like in you know, in, in America somewhere at a top hospital and he's really you know, he's really really got the belief he's really got the the hope and you know the drive the determination and everything the patience as well which which is very you know a very underrated part of the whole thing he's had the patience he's been waiting around he's been training every day hoping that they give him the go ahead the green light to carry on but unfortunately it isn't to be so he hasn't really got a choice in the matter and it's very sad it's tear-jerking actually it's just a shame. I mean, he he obviously won a bronze medal in that twenty twelve Olympics, and he will always now be a you know a, a guy that was a, just a serious underachiever. It would have been really interesting to see where his career would have panned out and would have gone because he was obviously with Golden Boy. Um, when he turned pro, and he just wasn't able to hit the heights that he had the potential to. And uh, it's very, very sad. I like Anthony Agogo a lot. I hope he does something uh, still in the sport of boxing. I think he's had a few commentary gigs, and he's done quite well there. So I'd like to see him, you know, sticking to the broadcast side of things, or perhaps even training someone. I think he's got a good boxing brain, Agogo, And I'm absolutely guide for him, to be honest. So all the very best to you, Anthony. Um. Yeah. Absolutely gutting. It really is. I'm. I'm very sad for him. Kennedy Golovkin has signed with DAZN. Mm-hmm. Yeah, from my understanding, it's like a co-promotional kind of thing. I think there's going to be a few nights on the zone um, that Golovkin gets to put his own shows on because I think Golovkin's got a little stable now. Um, A lot of fighters out of Kazakhstan and stuff like that really want to be with him, and he's got a few fighters under his umbrella, if you like, so I think he's going to be putting a few shows on himself as a promoter. And I also think that in doing that... um, you know he's he's signed with DAZN himself, so I think he'll be fighting uh, perhaps in the next few months or something like that. So yeah, good stuff. It's 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 another power move really from DAZN. They've got Canelo and Golovkin. I'm hearing that they're both going to have one fight in the. You know, in the in the summer kind of time, and then get it on again in September. The third fight, um, I'm not quite sure it'll be as interesting as the previous two, but you know, it's still a it's still a mega fight. Whenever they do it, it's still a mega fight. There's still two of the very best pound for pound boxers in the world. And finally, Eddie Hearn has
2: announced a card on April the 20th with Chizor will Gashi, Lucas Brown vs Dave Allen, Josh Kelly vs Runowski, Connor Bent and Cordina vs Howen.
1: Yeah um Cordina against Andy Townend you mentioned decent fight Townend was supposed to box somebody else i think and i forgot who it was um and i think Cordina took took the opponent i can't remember who it was now uh, anyway, forget about that. Conor Ben, as you mentioned, he's made up with his brother Harley Ben. He watched him fight on the weekend in in Essex. Um, Senad Gashi he takes on Chisora. That's a terrible fight in my opinion. Gashi, I think, won all of his fights by knockout before running into Carlos Takam um, a few months ago. I think it was I think it was December twenty second actually at the O two. Um, and yeah, he got he got beat by Takam and you know it wasn't it wasn't really impressive from Gashi. he's a guy with a padded record. He takes on Chisora. I think that's gonna be a complete stinker of a fight, but it will be Chisora's first fight under Dave Caldwell. And Lucas Brown against Dave Allen, I mean that's gonna be quite fun while it lasts. Um, you'd have to say that Lucas Brown is surely gonna be the favourite. I mean, I'm gonna be intrigued to see what the odds are, but Lucas Brown has, has got the better wins, let's be completely honest here. I mean, even Camille Sokolowski against Dave. Dave Allen, that would be a tough fight. We talk about Lucas Brown having a tough fight with, uh, with with Sokolowski. I'd like to see how Dave Allen would get on. They're both friends of the show, so I wish them both the very best. But, um, yeah, it should be a fun fight. Hopefully it is. And, uh, yeah, the uh, the tickets are between £40 and, uh, and £200, pounds, I believe, for inner ringside VIP. Um, so not not too bad on the ticket prices there uh, at the O2 Arena. So, yeah, it should be interesting. And that's it for the news. Thank you very much, Ayaz. Right, moving out now to the preview part of the show and we're going to start at the Leacora Center in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania USA. Let's start with the, the Bill Topper here. Tevin Farmer, 28-4 with one draw. He takes on John O'Carroll friend of the show. Both friends of the show actually. Uh, John O'Carroll undefeated still. Um, a lot of people think he shouldn't still be undefeated because he got a draw in his last fight against Gwillem Frenoy. Uh, Carroll now 16-0 with that one draw. It's for Tevin Farmer's IBF World Super featherweight title. Um, if we're being honest, as We like John O'Carroll. We love his beard, but um, you know I just don't think it's enough to beat Tevin Farmer. Tevin Farmer is overlooking John O'Carroll, and so is Eddie Hearn because I've heard about an apparent offer of um, doing a unification with Javante Davis, and I've heard five million dollars being uh, being pumped around in the air. But yeah, they're overlooking John O'Carroll, and for me. It's just a little bit like James Tennyson, I mean, I think Carroll and Tennyson, I think that's a good fight to be honest, I think they're both at similar levels, really, so uh, look what tevin farmer did to to James Tennyson, he stopped him, didn't he but John o'Carroll's really really confident I'm just not sure he's he's at that level, and um we wish him all the best I've tried to get him on the show many, many times um before this fight, and we can't seem to do so, same for tevin really, so uh it is what it is, but Tevin's a love-hate kind of guy, and uh, I wish them both all the very best, to be honest, but um, I can only see one winner. I think Tevin wins that one quite comfortably, perhaps even stops his man. We should have done the predictions on that, but um, we didn't, so apologies for that. Also on the bill, we've got Katie Taylor, 12 and oh, She puts her IBF, WBA, and WBO world female lightweight titles on the line. I'm not sure she's got all those belts. Maybe the other lady's got one of the belts. Um, not quite sure. My apologies. There, that's a ten two-minute round contest against Rose Volante, who's also undefeated fourteen uh, and Also on the bill, we get to see Gabe Rosado twenty-four and eleven with one draw. He takes on Massiel Selecki twenty-seven and one. That one loss came to Daniel Jacobs. Um, apparently, the winner of this fight gets to fight Demetrius Andrade. What a poor fight! I mean, that is one of the worst matchups ever. Could you imagine Andrade against against Gabriel Rosado? For Christ's sake! Oh boy, that's a ten rounder there. Um, friend of the show, Hank Lundy, one of my favourite people to interview. He's really fiery, real exciting, uh exciting fighter, and he will fight anybody. He's a typical Philadelphia fighter. He'll fight anyone, anywhere. His record 29 and seven with one draw. He's on a search for win number thirty. He takes on Avery Sparrow, who's nine and one. That's a ten rounder there. Luke Campbell also gets out. Another friend of the show, a few friends of the show on this bill, actually. Nineteen and two, Luke Campbell. He takes on Adrian Young, twenty-six and five with two draws. Danny Ayloosinov's in a step up here, five and zero. Oh. He's in an eight rounder against Silverio Ortiz, who's thirty-seven and twenty-three. This will be his sixty-first fight. That's some serious golfing experience there. And Jonjo Nevin, 11-0, takes on Andres Figueroa, 9-3. And That's a six-rounder there. Uh, moving out now to Japan at the Memorial Center in Gifu. We get to see Kosi Tanaka, 12-0, put his WBO World Flyweight title on the line against Ryochi Taguchi, 27-3, with two draws. Um... Yeah, I can see that one going points. I think Tanaka probably gets that one on points. Moving out now to the York Hall in Bethnal Green, London. Couple fights to mention over here. Um, Linus Eudofia, twelve and zero. He's in a ten rounder against Darren Cordona, who's seven and three with one draw. Also on that card, we get to see Tunji Agunia. Um, he goes under the alias of Uncle T. Now, what I like about Uncle T, he's 5-0. and He's an eight-rounder against Justin Menzi, who's 4-3 with one draw. Tunji Agunia actually has his own YouTube channel. He's the only guy, as far as I know, who actively boxes. I think he's with Steve Goodwin. And he also has his own youtube channel he's also at all the fights getting accredited doing the you know the post fight interviews with his camera and he as far as i know is the only guy especially from the uk especially from london who actually fights as well as does his bit for the media so i respect tunji Agunia. all the very best to you in that eight rounder there moving out now to the harvey Haddon sports village in nottingham nottinghamshire united kingdom will Carl froch be in attendance perhaps not uh, topping the bill for the english welterweight title, Eku Esuman, 9-0, takes on Tyrone Nurse, 35-5 with two draws. Tim Rounder, you know, I don't really know much about this Esuman, even though he's the English World Weight Champion, I've never seen him box before, but he takes on Tyrone Nurse, a guy who is a really good fighter, probably an underachiever to be honest, he's got so many wins and he hasn't really moved on from domestic kind of level really. Um, but he is probably at the tail end of his career. I think he's coming off three back-to-back losses, unfortunately. So perhaps Esumen will get Nurse at the right time, or perhaps Nurse will come back from those three losses and get a win here over a man that's probably thinking that Nurse is done. So that, that could be interesting. Moving out now to the House of Blues in Boston, Massachusetts, USA. Uh... Friend of the show, once again, Gary Spike O'Sullivan. He looks for win number 30. He's record 29-3. and three. He's an eight-rounder against Kiari Gray, who's 16-4. and four. I think he's got 12 KOs from his 16 wins, so a bit of a puncher there. Could be interesting, that one. Um... And moving out now to the AT&T Stadium in Texas, USA. This one going to be shown on ITV4. They finally delivered for us on ITV4. This fight is a mega fight, as Errol Spence Jr., 24-0. He puts his IBF World Welterweight crown on the line against Mikey Garcia, 39-0. and The first boxing voice that you hear, aside from Michael Buffer. The first boxer that talks on the intro um, what a fighter Mikey Garcia is, what a fighter he is, what balls he's got to move up two weight classes here against Errol Spence, Mikey Garcia, Errol Spence, I have talked to me, two of the very best.
2: I mean, this going to be a very, very good fight, obviously, Mikey Garcia is stepping up two weight classes to fight Errol Spence, who's obviously uh, beat Kell Brook, I mean, this can be a very tough fight, this is going to be a tough fight for Mikey Garcia to, to fight Errol Spence, obviously, but both great fighters, both technicians, both uh, both got a lot of knockouts. So if I'm going to go with a winner, I'm going to go with Errol Spence to beat Mikey Garcia on points because I think Errol Spence the bigger guy and I think that's what's going to cause Mikey Garcia. But I wouldn't be surprised if it comes to a draw.
1: A draw? Ooh, you're throwing that one out there. Okay. Um, I mean, look, this is how it is for me. This is the way I see it. I'm a big fan of Mikey Garcia. Some people would say I'm not Errol Spence's biggest fan because I just can't sit here and say he's the best fighter at welterweight. I can't do it. He doesn't have the wins. I mean, his best wins against Kell Brook, who obviously killed himself to make one four seven. He was coming down two weight classes to fight him. Let's be honest. Um aside from that, he's got wins over Lamont Peterson, smaller guy. He's got wins over uh, Chris Algieri, smaller guy. Nothing's really impressive about Errol Spence. I know he's dispatching of these guys, and that's the good thing. That's what it is. But aside from that, he's fighting smaller guys. He's not fighting true welterweights, man. And for me, that's why I just can't say he's the best welterweight. If you're going to rank people, you need to rank people on their wins at that weight. Do you know what I'm saying? So it's like this. It's like, I'm going to put it for you quite simply here. Yusik, all of his wins have been at Cruiserweight. He moves up to heavyweight. He hasn't had a fight yet. You can't just say he's the number one or number two or number three heavyweight. We haven't seen him fight a heavyweight yet at least not in the uh, not in the pro ranks so we haven't really seen errol spence fight a proper welterweight aside from Kelbrook, who was weight drained who was probably winning the fight until he ran out of steam he got his eye smashed up against golovkin in the fight before his eye got smashed up again against Brook, uh, sorry against um, errol spence in the fight that i'm talking about so for me not much has been too impressive for me. That's just for me. I'm not saying you have to go by my rule book, but for me, Keith Furman's wins over Danny Garcia and uh, and Sean Porter, they make him, in terms of resume, he's got the best wins of any 147 champion right now. And that's whether you like it or not. So he, he may not be the best welterweight in the world, Keith Furman. He may not be, but his resume says he is. And until he loses. Well, I don't know. It's up for debate. Terence Crawford's doing the same thing. He's come up. He's got a couple of wins. Can you say he's the best? I don't know. It's hard to it's hard to tell. It's, it's hard to tell. But anyway, um, Mikey Garcia's moving up two weight classes. I think Mikey Garcia's got the better skills. I think he's the better tactician. I think, of course, the power is with Errol Spence. I don't think Mikey's really carried his power up to one forty. You know, some people say, oh, he didn't even get Broner out of there. And I just think to myself, Broner's got a well good chin. He's got a fantastic chin. He got up from Maidana's punches twice. And Maidana punches harder than Mikey Garcia, especially at the weight that they fought at. Which I think was welterweight, by the way. So Mikey Garcia's power, has it gone up with him? It's hard to tell. I'm not quite sure it was there at 140. Like I say, fought Broner. Um, didn't really trouble Broner with his power. Um, obviously against Liponets he dropped him, but he didn't actually finish him, but Lipinets is a tough, tough guy, and they're the two fights that we can read into. But this time, he's really packed on the muscle. Um, he's, you know, he's trained at a new gym and stuff like that. I think he's under the Snack System now, the SNAC Victor Conte. His his project, and um, he looks like a different fighter. He's packed on that muscle, and I think he will be uh, quite a you know, a fairly good puncher at 147. I don't see him troubling Spence with his power at all. I think that the fight does go the distance. I think Mikey Garcia gets it on points. I'm going against the grain and the listeners have gone with Spence by knockout. Like I say, it's a bit of a it's a bit annoying with Spence because once again he fights a guy who's not a true welterweight either. It's it's just so annoying. I want to see him fight the true guys that are, you know, that are the real champions established at 147. Perhaps they don't want to fight him, but until he fights those guys, until he beats those guys. You know, it's 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 just not good enough to be at that number one spot for me. So, for me, he may win on size, but I just think Mikey Garcia is too smart for him, too good for him. And I think Mikey Garcia wins this fight and, you know, even goes in the top three of the pound-for-pound pound list. But, again, I don't overly rate Errol Spence yet just until he gets to a couple of good wins. Let him fight Furman. Let him fight Sean Porter. Let him fight Ugas. Let him fight someone like that. It'd be interesting to see... How he looks against those guys there. Um, but, yeah, enough, enough of going in on Errol Spence. Good fight. I, I think Mikey Garcia wins. Um, also on the build, David Benavidez, 20-0. and 0. He takes on Jay Leon Love, friend of, both friend of the shows. Once again, Jay Leon Love, 24-2 and 2 with one draw. That's a 10-rounder there. Uh, what's your prediction on that one, Ayaz? Benavidez and Jay Leon Love. Uh, I'm going to go with Benavidez to win by a knockout. Benavidez, knockout. Okay, quite a popular answer there. We've all gone with that one. Uh, just checking the Twitter. Yeah, we've all gone with, with Benavidez by a knockout. Jay Leon loves a great guy. I don't want to see him get hurt here, but I think he's being overmatched, to be honest. Uh, Luis Neary also gets out on the card. 28-0. and He's in a 10-rounder against McJoe Arroyo, 18-2. and It's a great card, by the way. Um, Chris Ariola 37-5 and with one draw. He takes on Jean-Pierre Augustin, who's got a record of um 17 and 0 with one draw that one could be interesting again i don't know too much about the guy let me let me just click on him right now and see um see how good he is how impressive his record is 17 and 0 12 knockouts hasn't had a fight since december 2017 he actually knocked out a guy called Humberto Soto, but it wasn't THE Humberto Soto that just beat Brandon Rios. He was undefeated, though. He was 10-0. and 0. He knocked him out in four rounds. Uh, other than that, nothing really that jumps out at you, to be completely honest. Um... Yeah, Chris Ariola though, what has he got left? Also on the bill, we should mention Charles Martin, the former IBF heavyweight world champion, 25-2 and two with one draw. He takes on Greg Corbin, a guy with a record of 15-0. and 0. The problem is Corbin is 38 years of age. Um, yeah, again, you look at his resume, nothing that impressive. Just looking now, how many people has he beat with an actual positive winning record? One, two... Three. So three out of the 15 fights. Three out of the 15 opponents have had winning records. So that doesn't tell me too much. Um, Yeah, Charles Martin to win that one. That's a 10-rounder. That is about it, though, for that card. Moving out now to the final two to mention. This one is happening at the Bracknell Leisure Centre in Bracknell, Berkshire, United Kingdom, and siesta Show. Friend of the show, promoter Siesta. Good guy. Uh, Over here we get to see... Tamuka Mucha, 16 and one. He's in a sixth rounder against Fernando Valencia. Fernando Valencia. That's the guy that Bradley Skeet fought. Yeah, that's the guy that Brandy Skeet fought. I think Skeet became the first man to stop him. His record eight and nine. Asinia Byfield, fourteen and two. He's in a six-rounder against Ryan Toms, sixteen and seventeen, with three draws. Luther Clay's in a ten rounder, his record ten and one. He takes on O'Shane Clark, four and one. Lucy Wildhart, four and zero. Oh. She fights for the vacant IBO Intercontinental female lightweight title against Anissa Benube, who's two and one. That's a 10-2 two-minute round contest there. And the final bill to mention this one happens on Sunday, I believe, at the Madison Square Garden Theatre in New York, USA trying to go through this as quick as possible. Friend of the show, Paddy Barnes, gets out. His record, 5-1. and one. He's in a 6-rounder against Oscar Mojica, 11-5 and five with one draw. I still want to see the Sonny Edwards fight. Please let that happen, boxing gods. Also, Michael Conlan 10-0. He's in a 10-rounder against Ruben Hernandez, who is 24-3 with two draws. And the main event, Louis Calazo, 38-7, former opponent of Amir Khan. He takes on, in a 10-rounder, former opponent of Amir Khan. Sammy Vargas thirty and four with two draws. Both men lost to Khan. Um, yeah, should be interesting that one. Um, I'd probably pick. Well, that's a hard fight to be honest. Collazo, he can, he can. I mean, he's been going for such a long time. He even fought Ricky Hatton back in the day. He can pull an odd good performance out of nowhere, really. And Sammy Vargas could be a guy that he could pull a performance like that out against really interesting because you never know what collazo's got left he's a guy i think that needs to really be motivated for a fight to be at his best and if he's not then he'll lose and he will lose really badly really embarrassingly but anyway that's about it for the preview part of the show it's been a long show we've brought you the first guest we brought you the review part that's the preview part done Ias did his magic in the news segment and just before we wrap up part two and end the show the last thing to do is to welcome guest number two Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the undefeated WBC Silver Super Lightweight Champion. It is, of course, Mr. Josh Taylor. Josh, welcome to the show, sir. Hello, how are you doing? Hey, very good, my friend. Even better now that you've joined me. Like I say, Josh, you're you're set to fight on May 18th in Glasgow. The opponent is set to be Ivan Baranchik for his IBF World title. What do you know about Ivan, Josh? Seems to have quite a fan-friendly style. A lot of people like the way he fights.
3: Yeah, he's got a he's got a you know an all out guns all guns blazing kind of style. Um, you know, it's all action. You know, he doesn't take a step back, comes forward, likes to put the pressure on, and it, and he's also he looks pretty strong as well. So yeah, he's got he's got a he's got a good fighting style. He's undefeated, I think. It's, I think it's nineteen or is it.
1: I think it's eighteen or nineteen. I think it's nineteen, maybe. 19 0 maybe. Yeah,
3: yeah, and um, you know, so yeah, he's, he looks pretty strong. Um, but no, I'm I'm feeling I'm feeling a. Uh, Super confident in this fight. Um, I'm feeling really confident in this fight. Actually, I think I think his, his style is, is tailor made for me. I think his, uh I think I I think will open up like a can of beans.
1: And do you identify Baron Baronchik as the best fighter that you've would fought thus far in the pro ranks, or would that still be Postal? Um, I would say I would say put in terms of uh, learning a uh,
3: the, the Postal fight. And um, you know, I learned a lot in there. Um, a lot of things in there, actually. You know, and A lot of things about myself as well that I thought I'll, that I already had that I now know that I do have. So, yeah, um, I'd say that probably the postal is probably the best fight so far. I think this fight here with Ivan will be more of a physical fight, but um, it's one that I'm, I'm real comfortable and real confident, confident in winning this fight and in good fashion as well.
1: And obviously, I can't really not mention this scare. You know, some of the rumours, obviously, we've heard about Baroncik possibly pulling out the tournament. I think it goes without saying that all of wow. us hope the rumours are just rumours. Have you been well informed during this whole thing? Or or has it been a bit of a distraction at the back of your mind kind of thing?
3: Yeah, it's been a little bit of a, a distraction. Um, you know, say all these different rumours going around that he's pulling out and then he's in and then he's not in and that sort of stuff. But um, as far as I know, at the minute, the fight's going ahead. Um, you know, I've received the the fight contracts and stuff through, so it's going ahead and uh, I'm training as if it's going ahead. You know, I always have been, even with all the stories that were going around, I was still training and preparing like, like it is going ahead. So, um I'm, my 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 mindset is that the fight's happening so I'm training as if it is happening.
1: Absolutely, one hundred percent. And the final of the world boxing super series that everyone would love to see is is yourself and Regis Progre Now in my opinion, you two guys are the best two at one forty. Um do you believe that you and him mm-hmm. are the two best? Yeah, I'd say I'd say so. Yeah. Um I mean I think him
3: himself and, and myself are the kind of two guys that are game and willing to fight anybody um, and, it's, and it's good that me and him are sort of locked into this tournament because then all the other politics and stuff like that and boxing won't get involved while we're in this tournament you know because all the other the other champion Jose Ramirez decided not to come in um, and if he wanted to he wouldn't fight any of us as a mandatory or a voluntary defence you know if he, if he had to fight a voluntary defence he wouldn't choose any of us he would choose an easy route um and he always has. I think he's always had easy fights. Um, whereas this tournament, um, Progress yeah, and I are the I believe the two best in the division and we'll, and we'll face each other in the final
1: and I want to talk about your training scenario you've trained with Shane McGuigan since day one obviously since that time you know you've had the likes of Carl Frampton David Hay, George Groves, all these big names come and go what was yeah. it like for, for Shane in terms of dividing his time between you all or are you someone that, that kind of you know likes to do their own thing in the gym or perhaps you need that one on one attention um, if, if the latter is the case then I'm sure that right now it's, it's a great time for you this part of your career it's the ideal scenario all that time on you being in the centre of attention, so to speak.
3: Well, the, the thing is, we've always had we always had good time. And Shane's camp has never been really um, a, a number of fighters in the gym. You know, a whole lot of fighters. It's just been maybe four fighters at a time, five fighters at a time. So we've always had the time needed that we need. I've always had the time that I need. I needed concentrated on me anyway. So you know, Shane done very well in balancing his time and. With all the fighters, you know, obviously at the start, Carl was the, Carl Frampton was was the main man. Um, But, you know, I still still got my fair share of time and more time that I needed with Shane as well. So um, it's been really good. I've had no, no complaints
1: that way at all. None at all. No, it's, it's brilliant because, like I say, I think Shane's one of the most underrated trainers out there. And, uh, you know, a lot of people would say you're one of the most underrated boxers out there. But it's great to see, you know, you both having that time now as you're moving on to the to the next stage of your professional career. The fight itself, like we say, it will take place in Glasgow. Now, I know for a fact mm. that the Scottish boxing fans are absolutely over the moon that you're fighting there in your first world title fight. Yeah. But not only that, also that you're bringing Manny Rodriguez and Naoya way with you. How does it feel to pretty much single-handedly be spearheading Scottish boxing and bringing those big nights back to Glasgow, Josh?
3: Yeah, it's brilliant. You know, it's good. I feel good that, you know, I'm giving the Scottish fans big nights again, you know, and and big time back into Scotland, you know, big time boxing back into Scotland, obviously with Ricky Burns going on the slide a little bit now at the back end of his career, you know. Um, It's good to be sort of spearheading the, as you say, spearheading, Scottish boxing, we're bringing big shows back, and it's not just myself as well, it's like you just said, and Nui coming, uh, coming to Scotland as well. Last fight was Burnett, was over in a world title fight as well with De Dinner. So, yeah, there's, there's big fights, big time coming back to boxing in, uh, in Glasgow so, and in Scotland. So, yeah, it's, it's really exciting times ahead. Yeah, for sure.
1: And did you catch any of Maurice Hooker's win on the weekend at all?
3: I never, know, I never, I never actually watched it, um, no. I, I, but I'm sure I'll catch up with it, and probably through the week, you know, get on my on my on my TV and uh, have a we have a weekend it.
1: Only if you, you you really got some time on your hands. I don't think it was it was too much to watch, to be honest with you, Josh. Um, this weekend, though, a big big fight, Mikey Garcia versus Errol Spence. Are you team Mikey or team Errol?
3: Um, I'm neutral, really, but I just think. Um, um, hats off to Mikey Garcia for going away up to welterweight. You know he's not he's not the biggest lightweight either. You know he's quite short. Um, I just think I just think it's a a, a, be t- step, a, be a little step too far. You know he's he's big for 147. You know he's tall. He's southpaw. You know he's fast. He's got great timing. You know great boxing ability. Um, I just think it's a little bit too big a jump for Mikey Garcia, if I'm being honest. Yeah. I think many
1: people share that opinion, and the other, the other semi-final, Regis Progress against Kirill Relic. What's your, what's your thoughts on that show down there?
3: Well, I expect, I expect uh, progress to come through it, um, you know. But you know, you never know in boxing; anything can happen. So, um, but I, I would expect progress to come through that one. Um, just, just going on last performances, you know. I, I seen Relic's last performance, and it wasn't too, it wasn't up. Much touch to scratch, you know. It wasn't didn't look too clever, Um, so I'd expect I'd expect uh, progress to come through
1: that one. And the last two questions, Josh. Uh, This this world boxing super series final, like I say, everyone would love to see yourself and Progre. You talk about Baranchik having that kind of come forward, never take a step back, aggressive style. how do you think your star would match up against Regis? Would it would you know, he's quite a come forward kind of fighter as well. Would it be a a real exciting fight like this Baron Chick one should be?
3: Yeah, I think maybe. You know, I also think there'll be a little bit more skill skill and level in that fight as well. You know, I think that Regis is quite slick as well. He's got good movement, um, for a southpaw as well, he's got good good movement. Um but, you know, I just he obviously looks like as if he punches hard. Um but, you know, Everybody punches hard with these little gloves on. So it doesn't matter if he's really heavy-handed or not. It doesn't matter. I went in this tournament, and I think every one of these guys is really beatable, including progress as well. I think, you know, if that fight was to happen next week, I think I would win the fight, hands down. So I'm super confident, and I'm really happy with the way everything's going at the minute, the way I'm performing at the minute. You know, I feel real confident. I believe this is my time to shine. So, um, like I said, the guys that are in this com- the competition, I think every one of them are beatable. And um, uh, that Ali Trophy has got my name on it already, I believe.
1: <laughs> and finally, Josh, just a final message, really, to, to, to our listeners, anybody that's listening that may be behind your journey, all your fans, not just uh, the Scottish fans that we mentioned, just your British fans as a whole. What's your message just before we let you go, my friend?
3: Yeah, uh, just, uh, you know, thanks uh, thanks for the support Um up, to, up till now, you know, it's been great. You know, the, people, the encouragement I'm getting on social media and Twitter and all that sort of stuff, it's really good. Um, good to, Thanks for the fact that you appreciate what I'm doing, the hard work I'm putting in. And uh, just keep following me, man. Get behind me because I'm going to be world champion and I'm going to the top. So um, thanks for the support and hopefully long may it
1: continue. And I firmly believe that. Listen, Josh, it really has been an honour having you on this week's podcast. Thank you for your time. best of luck for May 18th. And I'm sure that we'll catch up sometime after. No problem. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Okay, and this wraps up episode 178 of the Box Hard Podcast. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. I as Summer has been I as Sumra. A big thank you to our two guests on this week's show the former light heavyweight world title challenger, Mr. Callum Johnson, and the undefeated super lightweight world contender, Josh Taylor, a man that looks certain to become a world champion in the very near future. I'd like to apologize for the slight echoing during that Taylor interview. It really wasn't actually on our end. Uh, it was. It was also not clear when we were recording it initially, only on the playback. So I really hope that the echoing wasn't too bad and that you were able to understand everything that he said. But once again, I'm very sorry about that. The prediction league currently stands at myself in the lead on 92 points. You, the listeners, and I as a joint on 85 points. Best of luck for this weekend with the predictions. Uh, there have been a couple of things that have happened. A few bits of news have developed whilst we've been recording the show. The Warrington Galahad fight date will be announced at press conference in Leeds on Tuesday. Um, On April 26th, Eddie Hearn is putting on a card in Los Angeles uh, that is actually being topped by Jesse Vargas versus Humberto Soto. If that's your kind of thing, then enjoy that one. And finally, Jason Quigley, friend of the show, the Irishman who's training under Dominic Ingle nowadays. He's managed to get himself on the Charlie Edwards vs. Moreno undercard on March 23rd at the Copper Box. So another good fighter added to that card there. But that's about everything. Thank you all for listening once again to this week's podcast. Enjoy your weekends, people, and we'll catch you all again next week.